What's up and welcome into the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside Pelicans.com writer Jim Meikenhofer. We're back in the Big Easy after another preseason win for the Pelicans yesterday as they defeated the San Antonio Spurs 123-114, improving to 4-0. And Jim, um, it's always nice to get preseason wins. I wish they would turn over to the regular season so we can start out the regular season 4-0 like we did last year. But overall, another solid comeback win. It seems to be the theme of slow starts, but comeback finishes in the second half. Yes, 17-point deficit. I do think that it's become a theme of preseason and also something that they want to avoid in terms of not carrying over into the regular season, getting off to slow starts and having these double-digit deficits. But I do think that as, as, as great as it is that they're 4-0 from preseason, that they haven't lost a game yet, um, to me, the fact that there's been so many individual success stories, there's been so many guys that have played really well, um, guys that you had expectations for, but they've even exceeded those. Obviously, we're going to talk to Andrew about Zion Williamson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, there's a couple other guys like Frank Jackson, I think, has played really well in that kind of closing role with Nikhil in the fourth quarter where he comes in and, and plays really well, shoots really well. Uh, but but across the board, even Nicolo Melli, to me, yesterday was was uh, was a crucial part of them being able to win that game because in the first half it was like they could Pelicans could not buy a basket, but he came in and started making a few shots, kind of got them out of the, the rut that they were in. They were only down by 10 at halftime, which – given how poorly they shot the shocked. ball. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was like, okay, they're still in this. So, um, and obviously three of the four guys that I just mentioned are brand new to the NBA. Melly is a veteran basketball player, but this is the first time he's played in the league. So one of my biggest takeaways, and I know we have several days now before they get back on the, the court Friday against New York, but just <clears throat> some of the guys, the guys who this is the first time they've played against NBA competition with these rules – um, are doing really well, and I think that's one of the most important parts of preseason when it starts. The Andrew that he's talking about is Andrew Lopez, who covers now the NBA for ESPN. Will also be his home base will still be in New Orleans. He used to cover the Pelicans for the Times, Picayuneandola.com. But now, ESPN NBA reporter Andrew Lopez will actually join us in studio, give us his thoughts on this preseason and uh, Zion Williamson and Nikhil, as Jim mentioned, and kind of what to look forward to for Friday's game against the Knicks and that gives me that next point you talk about individual players stepping up and the theme that I've been noticing is six or seven players in double figures each game and I know you're probably thinking well Alvin's played a lot of guys but at the same time if you look at minutes for the like the first 10 guys it's not that much and yet they're still getting in double figures so I think what's impressed me the most is the balance of scoring that so many players are getting involved definitely and this is something that Melly talked about after the San Antonio game I know to you guys on the air in his postgame interview, was that one of the really crucial elements for New Orleans to be as successful as they possibly can be this year is that they're going to need to get a lot of production from a lot of different guys. Obviously, we don't want to read too much into preseason, but the way Zion has played so far, it looks like he's going to be able to to put up some decent numbers scoring the ball. But, you know, Drew Holiday also has a, a track record of scoring. But if they can get, you know, six or seven guys to consistently produce, I think – you know they're going to have a lot better uh, chance to to win games this year. And another thing too is, um, I think Alvin Gentry's said a few times that he's if there is one disappointment from preseason um, or one of them, it's the pace hasn't been fast enough. So man, if they can push the pace even more, who knows what kind of numbers this team will be capable of putting up? 
Our Geek question of the day, we'll uh, ask Andrew Lopez the same thing, but I want to hear maybe your takeaway from this. I've asked it for every game, and I think it's only because it is preseason and you're still trying to figure out some things, is that with Friday's game in New York, basically the last chance to kind of figure out rotations, which might not even be decided after Friday. You will have to decide it by next Tuesday, but what do you want to see, Jim, from this team on Friday against the Knicks? Yeah, I think defensively is definitely one of the biggest things. I think so far... Um, looking at some of the stats, they're allowing 40% by the opponent on three-pointers, which is way too high. Um, the opponents are also shooting 49% from the field, which, again, is is um, several percentage points above what you want it to be. So defensively is going to be something that hopefully they can make some more strides on Friday against New York. And, um, I, again, I go back to one of the things that Melly talked about. I, I like listening to him speak, by the way, just because I feel like he has a really good grasp of the kind of a lot of the team elements of basketball. Um, but one of the things that he mentioned of what he wanted to see in the New York, New York game was just continuing the chemistry, con- continuing the cohesiveness. I have, I, I haven't been, um, <clears throat> I've been pleased with the way that they've looked so far in terms of assists and sharing the ball and stuff like that. So, um, I, I just they want to keep. It's different to do it in scrimmages and practices and voluntary workouts than it is to get to do it in an NBA game. I know it's preseason, but there's a little bit more pressure, if you want to call it that. So to be able to react on the fly and, and be able to just learn each other's tendencies more, I think that's another part of what they want to do Friday against New York. As promised, joining us now in studio, Andrew Lopez, ESPN NBA reporter. Man, you know, he's not too big time to join us in studio. Normally, a lot of people just hop on the phone, but Andrew is gracious enough to join us here in Studio B. How the heck are you, my friend? I'm I'm doing good. Can you say my name and ESPN again? ESPN NBA reporter, Andrew Lopez. I just love it. I just like hearing it. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. I just, I really like hearing it. So It's pretty cool. I got to get used to it. Well, let's start with that, though. So how has your new role been? And kind of describe to the listeners what your new role is with ESPN and how that affects you covering the Pelicans. Yeah, and then it's going to make a lot of fans happy because it is almost strictly covering the Pelicans. I do cover the NBA in a broader sense uh, with ESPN.com. So doing, you know... Jim, Jim and I talked about this yesterday. My name will pop up in power rankings on five-on-five questions, things like that, where I take a step back and look at the broader NBA. Uh, but as far as my day-to-day, it's pretty much covering the Pelicans. I'll be here every home game, travel to certain road games. Um, if, if I have to go someplace else, I don't know yet. But uh, for right now, it's, it's kind of strictly covering the Pels. So what does it say about – the Pelicans and their outlook of this team that the fact that you know a couple years ago there was a reporter here covering uh the NBA in New Orleans the fact that they brought you to do the same what does it mean about the team and what people expect from them nationally yeah um it says a lot about Zion Williamson I think um (laughs) there's our first Zion mentions uh you know should we mark each one two minutes into the to the to the podcast today but no it's it, it tells you the excitement level around this team and when you step back and you look at 30 national games uh on television this year out of 82 you, you four nationally televised preseason games i mean yeah. when was the last time there, there was a nationally televised preseason game? i don't know if there's been four total combined over the uh, last 10 years it, if you add them all up yeah so the fact that that's the level of excitement to this team um obviously it is a lot of zion it does help that you have lonzo ball uh as well then you start looking into this roster there is a lot of excitement around this team and the fact that uh, ESPN felt like they needed someone here to cover it. You know, uh, 
I thank them for it, but um, <laughs> you know everything kind of kind of worked out. But it tells you the the, the national level uh, of excitement with these guys. I mean, first off, I want to say I'm impressed, and I want to pat you on the back for being able to come into the office because I think if I was in your shoes, I would, especially on a day like today. I think it's supposed to be 85, maybe that I, I'd be calling in from the pool, and I'd be saying sorry, but I'm not I'm not coming in because I'm gonna be just getting some swimming in today the pool is actually right outside of my door it's not <laughs> see that's even more impressive. it's not it's not that far of a walk um <laughs> but you know what when i'm when i'm five minutes away and it's an off day you know why not why there not come go. spend it with my friends jim and daniel <laughs> the one thing i wanted to, wanted to ask you about i mean this was obvious this was going to be coming you you already referred to it so you can add this to the the zion counter Ding. But um, we do we have a ding? Yeah. We're gonna have to, we have to add that. Make it <laughs> yeah, that'll that'll go in in the editing process. There we go. Yeah. Um, just I mean, what what's been your takeaway so far? I mean, obviously people had high expectations, but I mean, and and obviously this has just been preseason, so the competition will be different and the circumstances will change here in about a week. But I mean, from what you've seen so far, I mean, what 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 have you just observed from what he's been able to do? I I didn't know that he could be this good this quick. I did think it would take a little bit more time. I thought we'd have more nights like the 6 of 13 performance um, against the Bulls. I mean, uh, against uh, the preseason opener. Atlanta. Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I thought we'd have more nights like that rather yeah. than when he goes to the Bulls. I was there for that, and it was 12 of 13. And then he follows that up with 9 of 12. And then he follows that up with 8 of 11. And it's just like I, I didn't expect him to be that good around the rim that quick. Um you mentioned it on the broadcast yesterday. I asked ESPN stats and info. I was like, how much of this? Because he, he cuts to the rim, and you see him finishing with these acrobatic-style layups. He just kind mm-hmm. of the way he, he moves his body and twerks his body. It's I, I just didn't expect that level of finishing this quick. I think of, of those 25 shots, when he was 21 of 25 um, in the Bulls in the Jazz game, uh, 18 of those shots were contested. He was 14 of 18 mm-hmm. on contested shots. He Rudy Gobert, the two-time reigning Defensive Player of the Year, was the primary defender on six of his shots, uh, on six plays um, in that Jazz game. It was two fouls, one by Conley, one by Gobert, two layups made, which he went through Gobert's chest, mm-hmm. one miss over Gobert, and then they count this as a separate play, but on that miss, he goes around him, he catches the rebound, and he dunks it in. I didn't think he was going to be that good around the rim that quick. You kind of expected some of the other things, you know, jumping up between four guys and snatching offensive rebounds. Okay, that's that's just pure athleticism, but his touch around the rim has really impressed me so far early on. You mentioned um, some of his athleticism, which I think anyone, a five-year-old in the stands can yeah. see. But, I mean, what did, you, what did you think when you saw, just from a observation standpoint, when you saw the in the Utah game, He's going against Gobert, which you referenced a little bit, and Ed Davis. Yep. And it just seemed like he overwhelmed them. And I think – I'm not sure if people realize, like, these guys are really – these are – I mean, Gobert's one of the best interior defenders in the league. Ed Davis is probably one of the top elite yeah, ba- backup there. guys in terms of in the paint. So, I mean, that, that – what did you think of – what have you thought so far about just his – the combination of his size, quickness, and everything? It just seems like some of the – I think some of these um, – bigs that he's going against are like what the heck am i going against I, I, here i do think it's a little bit of that i think a little bit of it is bigs maybe not realizing his the, the level of his athleticism quite yet i mean we got i mean i know we say go bear is a two-time defensive player of the year that that should be enough to kind of tell you how good he is but 
Derek Favors, who is now the starting center uh, for, for the Pelicans, who is a natural fit at center, played the four in Utah because Rudy Gobert was that good. Yeah. That's how good Derek was, that he should have still been on the floor. And that's how good Rudy was, that he pushed another very, very good defender to the four. I do think some of it is them maybe – okay, I, we know he can dunk, we know he can jump, but the finishing around him, I just maybe don't know if they expected that just yet. So maybe – you know, he gets off to a hot start. Maybe he's he's 20 and 10 the first 10 games. And then teams start to kind of figure him out a little bit. They have some film on him. But maybe he doesn't. Maybe maybe he just does this all year and he's just yeah. going yeah. through guys. What, what about Nikhil Alexander Walker? I mean, I mean, another 17th pick in the draft. We watched him play in summer league and we were like, this guy can play. But, I mean, it just seems like he's also been a great story so far. Nikhil may go down as one of those guys who – when you when you every time you bring him up, you're gonna bring up that he was the number seventeen pick in the mm-hmm. draft. Yeah. And you're gonna say X amount of teams passed on Nikhil Alexander Walker. Why? That that kind of seems to be he has he has ultra efficient nights and he has not so efficient nights. We've kind of seen you saw that kind of um against the Spurs. He was yep. what, four of thirteen, I yeah, think, shooting when, when he finished. He makes up for it in other But he makes that. up for it in other ways. He had eight assists, he had five rebounds. He's going to impact the game. In other ways, he struggled against Chicago, and he was like four of twelve uh, in that game. But I think at one point he was like zero of seven or one of yeah. one of eight. Mm-hmm. Then he then he comes back and finishes with the the big threes down the stretch. So um, even with that, I think he was still shooting what fifty one and fifty. Yeah, going, going into, into yesterday. Yep, going mm-hmm. into to yesterday's game. Mm-hmm. He is. I, I think I said it from. I mean, in summer league, you kind of saw it. I, I obviously the the, the twenty six point game. He's going to take somebody's minutes. Yeah. I don't I don't know who that is just yet. I don't know if Alvin Gentry knows who that is just yet. Nikhil is going to take someone's minutes and he's going to have nights where he's seven of nine and he's gonna be and he could flirt with twenty points, and then he's gonna have nights where he's two of eleven. I, I think there will be more nights where he is more efficient, but he is going to take someone's some veterans' minutes on this team by the way he plays. We're going to get to that in just a second, but going back to Zion and Nikhil real quick, I feel like one of the things they have in common is how fearless they are. You talk about Zion going to the rim, but even Nikhil too, you'll see him go up sometimes a little tough how congested it is in the paint where he goes up, but the fact that you have guys that have only played in a handful of summer league games and four preseason games, and they're not afraid to attack the rim no matter who's down there. It's He's he's very confident. Yeah. He's he is a very very confident player. Going going back to media day, I think one of my favorite quotes at media day, um, when somebody asked David Griffin about, you know, Nikhil not playing or maybe not playing, and Griffin was like, "Well, nobody's told Nikhil that," and I think he's going to be very upset to hear that he's not playing. Uh, yeah. And I think he plays like that on the court. He doesn't play in the uh, in the first half in the ter- first two preseason games, and then comes out and. and sets the court on fire for, for the next for the, the third and fourth quarter. He is he is really a fearless guy and I don't think Zion has I don't think Zion knows what the word fear means. Only if no. like he's looking into somebody else's eyes and sees fear. Like that's the only way he does it. <laughs> there's I, there's not a fear bone in his body. He just goes and I think he expects to make every time he goes at the rim I think he expects to make it and I think one of the things that's going to be interesting is how referees are going to officiate him. Does he get those calls at 285 pounds that he should be getting, or if somebody fouls him and doesn't, and they bounce off of him, it, is it an offensive? I think he's going to see a lot of those early as officials learn how to 
to really officiate him kind of going forward. And it's certainly going to be tough for them to officiate. I can even tell in the San Antonio game, it's yeah. like there's some calls where you're like, I don't even know how you would call that. So it's just something that they will have to adjust with. But you mentioned Nikhil in the minutes that he might be taken away from someone. And the guard depth at uh, for the Pelicans is just unbelievable because – you know, Alvin was talking about how we thought maybe through game four in our last preseason game that the rotations, he'll yeah. kind of have an idea. <laughs> but I think he has no idea. And it's a good problem because every guard that we've seen has stepped up. Josh Hart's missed a game. Um, we've seen Drew miss a game, J.J. Redick. But there's still times where I st- I don't know where how many minutes these guys are going to play. It's a good problem to have, though. It, it is a good problem to have. I think Alvin mentioned earlier it's, it's better than looking down at the end of the bench and thinking – I don't know who yeah. I'm putting in right now. Right. Uh, it, yeah. it, it is a lot better problem to have. And I remember, I think I asked him before they left for San Antonio, I was like, okay, you, you said these were the games. And he just kind of laughed. And he's like, I I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I really don't know. I thought I knew, but I don't know. So you, you really, it's hard. I mean, obviously you're going to start Lonzo and Drew. But then what do you do? Right. You, you, you have Nikhil. You have Josh Hart. Uh you have Frank Jackson. Who's been shooting well. You have uh, Etwan. Etwan Moore. You have J.J. Reddick. You have so many guys. Now, Etwan can play the three. J.J. can probably play the three. Nikhil can even probably play the three in some lineups. But it's hard to imagine a consistent rotation with, with all of those guys. And especially when Alvin says, you know, when you go into an irregular season game, you want a rotation of nine. You want a rotation of mm-hmm. ten. Uh, I think your front court is settled with Zion Melly at the four, Derek Favors, Ja at the five. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's four. Now you got five guys to figure out. Yeah. Out of besides your starters, let's, let's say it's six. Okay, your starters are Lonzo, Drew, Bi. You got to pick three yeah. of Nikhil, Frank, Josh Hart, Etwan. It, 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 that's hard to me. I, I, I don't know how you, you necessarily get that done. I'm glad I'm not paid the money that Alvin Gentry is being paid to to figure that out. And and I don't blame you for this because this I do this all the time when I go through the list of guys, but you also didn't even mention my guy Kenrich, who oh, has yeah. been part <laughs> of the he's, – he's going to – I mean, he is kind of in between, though, because he's not a guard and he's not a big, so maybe some of the minutes at the three will come into place. Yeah. He can I, probably also snatch some, some four at minutes the four, as well. At the four, yeah, sure, sure. But, but – Again, that's another guy who played heavy minutes was a starter last year and brings all those little things that you want as a coach. He may not go out there and have, you know, 10, 12 points every night, but you're going to look at a Cambridge box score. I remember looking at the end of it was, I think it was the end of the at the preseason game the other night mm-hmm. uh, against the Jazz, and they turned the board back on uh, from which apparently had all the stats from last year's last game, and you saw, mm. you know, Ja had 30. Uh, Christian Wood had 26 mm-hmm. and 12. But you looked up in Cameron Williams, and in this game where all of these other guys, these backups, these reserves are shining, Kenridge had like, I think it was like 8, 7, and 6 or something. It was like, yeah. a, it was a very Kenridge night. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that we're even talking about lineups, and we're not even, he's he's the 12th guy right now. I, I just, it's tough. Sure. Here's another thing, too, that I've thought about a lot, especially the last few days. So you start preseason and you say, we have 13, 14 guys that we need to go through as a coaching staff. We need to figure out how to pare that down to 10. By a game, by the fourth game, go, by, definitely after the fifth game, you think that there's going to be guys that have separated themselves. There's going to be some guys that have been disappointing. And I think one of the things that, that Elvin Gentry mentioned uh, 
forget which game it was. He said, you know, usually these things work itself out, so I'm not concerned about it. But to me, what makes it even more challenging is that I know the wins and losses isn't a huge factor in preseason, but they're 4-0 and as, as an example of just how well things have, have gone. I mean, to me, it's even tougher than, than – this sounds crazy, but I think it's even more difficult now than it was at the beginning because you thought that things would shake themselves out. <laughs> they, they have not <laughs> shaked them things out. Yeah. It, it's – you look at it, and of, of those guys that we mentioned, the only one who's really having, I guess, what you could consider a bad preseason is maybe J.J. Redick, mm-hmm. who just, I mean, he's going into what seems like his 23rd year <laughs> in the league. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I can have a bad, like, JJ, yeah, I think Alvin even said it, like, all right, J.J.'s going to be fine. Like, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not worried about J.J. not right, making right. shots in the preseason. It's, it's J.J. Redick. Cool. Outside of that, everybody's having great, I mean, Josh Hart has been kind of on off. He's had really like a, a couple really good ones, one not so good one. Yeah, it, it, it's just really hard to try to pare it down. And like I said, I'm I'm glad Alvin Gentry's being paid to do it and yeah. not me. I don't I, I I don't I don't like it. I think one quick thing I'll say too. It reminds me. I'm I don't know if you remember this a few years ago. Um, Ryan Anderson started preseason where he was like two for twelve on yeah. three pointers in his first two games, and he looked at all of us and he was like, because he had answered two or three questions in a row about why are you shooting poorly he's like look guys in december nobody's gonna know or care that i was two for 12 in the first two preseason games so i feel that way about jj reddick and and Derek favors the same way i don't know how much it really matters what they do in preseason especially with with favors kind of dealing with the the hamstring yeah getting back to being himself i Mm -hmm. mean sure he was held out of the scrimmage he played you know like eight minutes in that first preseason so right i I mean i'm not worried the veterans i'm not worried about Mm-hmm. You know, now if the veterans are playing bad three, four, five weeks into the season, then you can start to okay, something's wrong. But yeah, they they know how to handle themselves in preseason games, especially when you've been in the league ten years, ten mm-hmm. years plus. They know how to handle themselves in preseason. I'm not I'm not too worried about those guys. That happened to Paul Millsap last year. Everybody in the first yep. in preseason in the first maybe two or three games was like, "Is Paul M- Millsap done? Is he done? Is yeah?" And, and he ended up being like the second most important yeah. player at times in the playoffs for them. He did what Paul Millsaps does. Right. Well, as we're talking about don't take preseason too seriously, let's talk about Friday's game against the New York <laughs> Knicks. The last game, Pelicans are 4-0, and we might see this as a sort of dress rehearsal for opening night. Again, who knows because I don't think Alvin knows. I don't think, yeah, point. I was going to say, I don't, I don't think Alvin knows yet. <laughs> but when you're watching this ball game, Andrew, and the fans are going to be watching it, what do we, what do we try to find out? in this last preseason game, whether it is rotations, whether it's a certain player, whether it's offense or defense, is there anything that you're like, all right, this is one more shot to kind of see if how this is going to go? Well, I think every game so far, you want to look at Zion's growth on the defensive end. Um, you obviously know what he can do offensively. He's averaging, what, 23 points a game, shooting 71.4%, which is just, just <laughs> absurd. <Ridiculous. laughs> um and even if you, I mean, I think it's like eighty something in the last three games. It's whatever it is. It's just absolutely absurd. And he's playing twenty-seven minutes a game. It's not like he's playing thirty-five right. minutes to put up the points that he's. And put you, up. I mean, you usually think about those kind of field goal percentages. You think of like Tyson Chandler, Clint mm-hmm. Capella, yep. Andre Jordan, all dunks and layups. All. Yeah. Now he has a lot of dunks and layups, but he's he's still shooting threes. He's yep. still doing. He's he's not dunking it per se every time. He's still having to finish. There's been at least four layups. That Zion has had this year, with he puts spin on it as he's yeah. fallen to the ground, yeah. and I was like, "This, all right, this is no. What, how did that ball go in? Like, yeah. I don't. 
it's just a lot around the rim. And but, they're contested too. Yeah, and, so, and he's bringing out crossover dribbles on guys oh, too. Yeah, that was that was just filthy when he just yeah. beat that guy to the rim the other day. But uh, we know what he could do on that side. We know the potential he has on that side. I, you still want to look at defensively where he is. He's still 19. He's still adjusting to new principles on the defensive end. Um, I, you kind of want to see the growth on that side for the team as a whole. Um, Gentry mentioned, you know, it's a whole new offensive system. Well, I mean, a whole new defensive system, but it's also a whole new defensive system with a whole new bunch of pieces. You're only looking at really Drew and Ja and Frank of guys who really played in the system last year, Etuan as well, of, of guys that are truly coming over from last year. Everybody else is trying to learn everybody else. Defense is going to take a little bit of time. Um, Bezdel, like is, I think, is, is an excellent coach on that side. He'll he'll get that squared away. So you still want to see defensive growth. Um, when you do score 120 a game, when you do have a pace that is going to be hopefully for for, for Gentry tops in the NBA, defense is not – you're not going to have those 95 games. I think that, that Griff quote, I mean, I think you mentioned it the other day, mm-hmm. first to 95 wins. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're getting first to 95 in the third quarter. Obviously, <laughs> I don't think they want to – they want. They don't want to see the other team have 115, 120 every night. They sure. don't want to have to continuously come back from behind double digits uh, like they have in these last three games. But you're going to see, I believe, uh, more growth on that side. That's kind of outside of the guard rotation, which who knows what happens there. That's, I think, the, the place that I want to see growth the most is on the defensive side. All right. Should be interesting to see how this last one plays out. And then next Tuesday, here we go. First regular season game at Toronto. Defending champs. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Should be a fun one. Andrew Lopez, ESPN NBA reporter, covers your New Orleans Pelicans as well. Giving me chills, I know. It's really cool to also say, you know, we've been rooting for Andrew um, this whole time. So we're really glad, Andrew, that you are getting this cover this team from a national standpoint i do appreciate that really awesome all right andrew lopez there how can folks follow you on twitter if they don't already underscore andrew underscore lopez i got in the twitter game very late uh, i apologize for having the underscore <laughs> are we gonna all throw- of the all the andrew lopez's had already taken over it was, uh, so uh, all right we got uh, we got time it's we podcast. got time. okay so i started off on twitter i i was i was teaching uh at the time and i was still like stringing for uh the time speaking you noble.com and initially, I was my handle was a Lopez Nola mm-hmm. uh, because they wanted everybody to have Nola in their their tags. Cool. A year or two into this, they're like, "Hey, remember when we said do that? Nobody do that anymore." So by like 2013, it was you had to find a new name. Well, mm. Twitter picked up a lot of steam since mm-hmm. then. Right. So by the time I started to go back to trying to find Andrew Lopez's, I was I was a little bit behind the behind the curve there. So I, 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 I wanted to go under Andrew underscore Lopez. Uh, somebody had that. So I just I stuck another one in front. Um, I didn't want to have like numbers or right. shorten my name or do anything <laughs> like that. So uh, this was early on when, you know, I had like 400 followers. I wanted to be yeah. easy to find for, yeah. for high school kids. So the, the double underscore got in there, but Daniel and I don't have that problem of having many other people that have the same. Yeah. I think if, if maybe if Twitter was huge in Germany, I might have yeah, that problem. Maybe, yeah, but, maybe, maybe, but even maybe then, maybe there's so. not too many Jameses over there either. So If we have to find another Daniel Sowerson, I want to find him. So maybe <laughs> I'm going to have to search that and see if they're yeah, probably maybe, related to some, some yeah, way. We'll, we'll, just, we'll figure that out. So, yeah, but I, I got in the game late. Sorry, guys. You should still type in Andrew Lopez. I, I will probably be there. Any thoughts of adding ESPN to the end of that? I, okay, so I did. Um, and actually, actually, when I went to Bristol for orientation, they tell 
employees don't do not put ESPN okay. in mm. front. Um, but that's a lot of like behind the scenes guys. We're like, like unless you're explicitly told that, and then we, we were telling my boss this story, and she's like, "No, no, no, you're explicitly told that you can have it in your your profile or mm. whatever." But because if you're verified on Twitter with a certain name, if you change your your name, you lose your you lose your verification. So if I were to change it to Andrew Lopez ESPN or A Lopez ESPN or whatever have you, uh, I lose my verification. So and then all the fake Not Andrew Lopez's will be all tweeting the, all the all the bots that are following me are go will will go away, and I'd yeah. I'd, I'd be at like eight eight thousand followers or something. <laughs> I think I think I'd lose like half of them. But uh, no, but I I did think about it, but then I was like. Mm. I'll just put it in the profile. That blue check says it uh, all. You I, know? Love, I love that check. It's a great check. <laughs> I do. It's amazing. That's a great feeling when you get the check. Uh, I remember that day. It was a good feeling. I like the check. Because <laughs> then unless you do something really bad, you're never losing it, right? Is that, is that I think it that's goes? how it works. Okay. Don't do anything stupid and you keep it. Fair enough. Works for me. Andrew Lopez, ESPN NBA writer and Pelicans writer as well. Andrew, appreciate the time, my friend. No problem. Thanks. All right. Good stuff there from Andrew Lopez. Scheduled to appear on Wednesday's podcast is Stephanie Reddy. You may remember her from her days with the Charlotte Hornets on their television broadcast. Now she's a part of the Turner family, doing a lot of NBA on TNT virtual reality broadcasts, also the host of The Bounce. She'll join us as the Pelicans will play the Knicks on TNT on Friday. Glad you can join us as this podcast is presented by SeatGeek. Trying to find tickets to basketball games or any other live event can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing. With SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple of taps. With their deal score technology, they rank the most valuable seats based on price, location, historical data, and more. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase in the SeatGeek app. Use the code GOPELS, all one word, all caps, at checkout. SeatGeek, let's go. And let's get on out of here for this Monday. Again, Wednesday, Stephanie Reddy will join us. The Pelicans will be practicing, so you can log on to pelicans.com for a full practice report. And then Thursday, the team is off to New York. They'll take on the Knicks for the last preseason game on Friday night. For Jim Eikenhofer and Andrew Lopez, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.